Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, she currently stars in Back to the Future on Broadway. She grew up in Vermont, and her father actually worked for the Von Trapp Family Lodge in Stowe, which is where the Von Trapp settled in Vermont after coming from Austria. So it really was somehow predetermined that this glorious artist would end up a Broadway star. Welcome, Liana Hunt, to the podcast. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is Liana Hunt. Liana is currently starring on Broadway in Back to the Future. Some of her other Broadway credits include Mamma Mia and Newsies. Some of her national tours include Wicked and Bright Star. She is part of the sketch comedy group show Shiz, which is Broadway meets sketch comedy. We'll talk about that more. I am so thrilled and honored to welcome you to the podcast because I got to see you in your show and you are amazing. And how are you? How are you today? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm 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 good. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, it's a busy time, but it's an exciting time. So I'm I'm good. That show is so I mean, all musicals are incredibly physically demanding. I feel like the time travel that uh your character is involved in creates sort of even more um more work and more joy for the audience. I want to ask you, first of all, I I feel like I could spend an hour on Newsies and then an hour on Nessa Rose in the Wicked Tour. I mean, there's so many things that you've done um, that are just iconic, iconic parts and the fan base and fandom for that must be um, compelling and fulfilling. But what I saw at Back to the Future early on before you guys even opened was oh, wow. the most international audience. Like there's something about the brand that is back to the future. Usually early on for musicals, it's like people who are obsessed with musicals and they want to be there before, like to see every little moment as you fine tune your performances. But this felt like a show almost that had been like the producers, like that had been running. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Honestly, and it's been even more wild for someone like me coming into this fresh. And, you know, at our first preview, I felt like it was our first preview for me and where my brain was at in my performance. But the audience, it's like what you said. It, it's as if they were, they've been there, they've seen it, they're ready, they're in costume. They, It was wild. It's been a really wild experience in that way. How did people, first of all, I had a chance to work with John Rando, your director, Tony Award-winning John Rando, who I really think is truly one of the kindest, calmest human beings 
I've ever met. Mm -hmm. The things I worked on with him, things before were sort of more intimate pieces. Uh And you are now like in this huge beast of a musical. How did he prepare you? Because he had done it as had cast members who are in the show now on the West End. Uh How did he sort of prepare you or talk to new cast members about what this experience, what to expect and, and sort of based on their past experience with it in London, did they give you a heads up? Yeah, they did. It was nice. They had wisdom to share with us and a couple of our cast members as well. Hugh Coles and Roger Bard did the production in London. And between the team and the two of them, even from like the first day of rehearsal, they sort of were like, okay, so here's kind of what to expect. Exactly that. Like they talked about their very first performance ever in Manchester and how when each character stepped out on stage for the first time the audience like burst into applause and and they were welcomed in this way that felt so familiar to the audience and so they they definitely John he gave us a heads up he definitely you know prepped us on how much the uh, audience loves the film and loves these characters and they are characters that the audience feels like they know and sort of the responsibility that comes with that as actors portraying them um yeah, everybody sort of was like, okay, here's what you might expect as we go into this journey. Um, and I'm really so glad they did because I couldn't have anticipated it. Well, it's so wild because for so many of the members of the audience, it's like they were seeing not actors portraying a role that another actor had inhabited in another medium, but like a real person, yeah. right? Like it's almost like, these are real people and real friends of theirs. It was really, actually, it was really beautiful. And and uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your process of getting the part. Was it intense? Was it a less intense experience than other things you've auditioned for? Yeah, you know, every audition experience is so different. And this one was a little intense. Um, you know, I think because they care about these characters, the audience cares about these characters, they really wanted to be sure, which is good. Um, But so I was finishing, actually, I was closing The Devil Wears Prada in Chicago at the time. And um, our closing week, my first audition came in. um, And I was in the frenzy of closing that new show and, you know, coming down off that whole experience. Um, And so I got the appointment and I was going to have to change my travel plans to make it back to the audition. So I was like, well, let me watch this film and see if this is something that feels right. As soon as I watched it, I was like, yes, I want to audition for this. I really want to. Um, So I changed my flight. I flew back early. I went in the first time for just John and casting. And I mean, same experience with John. I just loved him from the first minute I met him in the room. So warm, so friendly, so positive and And then I think I went back the next day um, for a callback and they put me on tape. And then they sort of, that was in August. And they said, uh, okay, we're calling you back for finals in November. Um, So that was really bizarre. I kind of, I had had invested so much into it. Wow, that's so long ago. And also so far apart. So August of 2022? Yes. And then not again till November of 2022. Yeah. And then, okay, so keep going. Just yeah, so I, try. I know, I know. I had to sort of shelf it um, for a couple months. 
but of course it was on my mind. It was this project I really cared about. And so I was just sort of like touching on it every now and then to make sure the material was still with me. And then um, in October, I started revisiting it. And then so in November, I went in, I worked with the music team in a one-on-one. -on -one, and then I had a final callback for like all the, the team, the producers, which was the final round. And then got a call that they wanted to do one more session with me with just John and added another scene to the, the packet. So that, and that was like on a Saturday night or something. It was so uh, bizarre. So I kind of just went in on a Saturday night and did the whole thing again on tape and worked with John. And then, uh, and then it was Thanksgiving. So I got the call that like, they're going to be making decisions, but not till after Thanksgiving. So I had to wait a bit. <laughs> and then right after Thanksgiving, I got the call that I had gotten. Can you help me track this? So at that point, when you first went in, in August, wasn't it already playing in England? Yes. So it's up and running. They yes. already know it's coming, even maybe before. But had it already been officially announced that it was coming to the U.S. at that point? Yes, it had. Okay, yes. so you're not keeping a secret. Like that, that's been in... Right. On broadwayworld.com. That's already been announced. Um, so do you at any point go to London to see it? Well, here's the funny thing. I did go to London and I didn't see it. <laughs> and it did it. Um, because. Yeah, it was. We So uh, my husband and I planned some travel before I started. That was our one year uh, marriage anniversary trip and we went oh, to congratulations London. thank you we went to London because we had always wanted to go and we wanted to see theater and I oh my gosh I grappled with it for so long I went back and forth do I see it do I not see it I mean obviously I was dying to see the production to see what it was to see you know what they did with it what I what I could expect but a big part of me was like I don't want to see it um, I haven't had the opportunity to be in a brand new Broadway show yet. And while it existed in London, we were creating it here for the first time. And I really wanted to give myself the gift of not having a an existing idea. I already had the film as a source to, you know, create Lorraine out of. So I really just, I didn't want a version of the musical in my head. I wanted to just build it as freshly as I could. Um, so but I definitely, our last day in London, I was like, let me just check. Do they have tickets? And yeah. they didn't show that night. So I didn't right. see. <laughs> so the gods stepped in and protected yeah. your original instinct about it. I get yeah. it because in your other Broadway shows, which were huge leads, you were replacing. So there's yeah. this yeah, there's this template that you're, I mean, obviously you're doing you, but within a lot of confined situations, right? Like that's what replacing yeah, is. That's that's what I've done up to this point. And right. I really just, I wanted the opportunity to do my version of it without an idea. So, so when you found out you got it, like, where were you? Cause this was a long, this was not like right yeah. there on that couch. I yeah. was in this room. Yes. Oh my gosh. I had been just waiting. And every time the phone rang and it was my agent, I was like, Oh my God, is, am I going to find out? Um, yeah, then my agent, what did he do? He's really sneaky. He always, anytime I actually get something, he has a, a mischievous way of telling me so he called and I think I was too anxious to pick up the phone because I was like oh gosh it's my agents I yeah. need it back. right and he left a voicemail that was like hey Liana can you call back when you can I want to run something by you and I was like this sounds like my agent being 
mischievous. Um, or does he want me to do like a 50 right. below concert? Exactly. <laughs> Which and is it, also, and usually it's that. <laughs> also great. Also yeah. the most fun, but not the call right. you were waiting for. Exactly. Like anytime you're expecting or hoping to hear about something, it's always something else. So I called him back and sure enough, he was like, uh, how do you want to play? How would you like to play Lorraine Baines on Broadway? I was like, oh my gosh. I You're like, I would very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you would, in fact. Very much. So now opening night is over. How does it feel previews opening and now? Like in your body, in your heart? Like how do you feel? Hmm. It feels really great now. I'm thinking back hearing hearing previews and thinking back to that time and it was madness. I mean, and we had a pretty short rehearsal period. Um, it was just over a month uh, before we had audiences like start to finish. So, um, oh gosh, yeah, previews was very much getting it on its feet, hitting the marks, you know, making sure everything happened. So much of it was that. And then there were so many big nights to get through, you know, our gala opening and all the, pe- the original film cast that came and, and then our press opening, it was, it was a lot to get through. And I, it feels really great since kind of getting through all those big moments and the previews I've, I have felt in the weeks since that it's, I can feel it starting to breathe and grow and develop even more Yeah, moments on stage, just to be able to breathe. And it feels really great and really fun. The, the writers of your show were the screenwriters of the original material were they around during the rehearsal process every day and at every show I mean they've just gone out of town to set the new cast in London but they're coming back like Bob Gale you know is with us all the time every day comes to every show he's a huge fan he's a cheerleader um but every day in the rehearsal room yes uh Alan Silvestri, our composer, Glenn Ballard, lyricist, they they were in the room every day. And that felt really special to be, to have the people who wrote and created the movie with us creating the musical right. every day. It felt like if you're going to do it, like this is the way to do it. Did you feel like even though this is a new production, did they keep referencing like the West End production? Or th- I mean, do you feel like, yes, but also they kind of knew what worked and and you only had a short period of time. So would they kind of give you some sort of shorthand or would they really let you just find it on your own? It was a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think definitely the show, they they had spent a lot of time developing it and figuring out what works and definitely came with a sense of, here's the show that works. We, we figured it out, we created it. But I do think within that we were able to find our own way. Cause I remember like the day we were setting Pretty Baby, which is my first scene um, meeting Marty in my teenage bedroom. I was so excited to figure out what that scene and song was. And the song had been choreographed, you know, it's very comedic. So once we got to the song, it was like, okay, here are the beats of the song physically. And then let's fill them in from a story perspective. Let's make sure they fit on you. But with the scene, I appreciated it. We just kind of got to give it a go. And, and John would be like, oh, I like I like that. You know, in London, I had her over here, but let's follow this. Let's see where this goes. Don't worry about that. Let's try this. So I really appreciated um, getting to sort of just try it and see what happened and then go from there. Right. On your own bodies and your yeah. own instincts. Yeah. So do you mind speaking of like going back in time as is the whole you know, story of Back to the Future. 
can we go back in time to like you and uh, your childhood and where you were and like when the arts found you and you found them and when you were like, I sing better than almost anybody I know. Like where did, when did that all kind of happen and blossom for you? Oh my gosh. So I'm from a small town in Vermont. Um, and it's so funny. Nobody in my family does this at all. Uh, extended family, immediate family. I kind of can't explain it because I was, I just feel like I came out loving this somehow. Um, <clears throat> like I, from a super young age, I mean, I fell in love with Disney movie musicals. I think that's where uh, the desire to sing sort of came. And I would, you know, as many <clears throat> young people do walk around my house and acting Disney, you know, characters and putting on costumes. Um, but then <clears throat> my mom, she had uh, lived in New York for a while, excuse me, <clears throat> in her uh, young adulthood. And she, I think, sensed in me this longing to go there, to see theater, to do theater. So she took me to New York. I think I was eight for the first time. Um, bless you. <clears throat> and um, I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, which is my first Broadway show, which totally blew my mind. And then from there, I think she could sense how much I loved it. And just, she took me to New York every chance she got. And we saw shows whenever we could. Um, actually, I saw You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Uh, and I'm fangirling because that that show made a huge impact on me. Um, Roger Barr, I saw him as Snoopy. I think I was 11. Uh, I fell in love with that show and all of the brilliant performances. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. That's so wild. It, it made a huge impact on me. And I came so back, bad. I came back to my middle school um, or elementary school and I was obsessed. I would, I had the cast recording and I was like, okay. I told all my friends, like, we're going to put on your good man, Charlie Brown. I was trying to cast it and I wanted to be Sally so badly. And my best friend had blonde hair and she was like, you're Lucy and I'm Sally. <laughs> But I would just, I, I loved that show so yeah. much. Um, yeah. So seeing, seeing Broadway, seeing theater, I, just certain shows made such an impact. Gypsy, uh, uh, Annie, Get Your Gun. Um, so I decided to do community theater in Vermont um, and just started auditioning um, for community theater. I was in the drama club at school, which, you know, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of people like me in my school. Right. There were, you're like an I was the drama club. Yes, that <laughs> literally that. Yeah, um, and my mom, you know, my parents did a lot of driving me back and forth to uh, acting classes, dance classes, singing class, voice lessons. There was like a local music program that I was a part of, and I think that was when my mom was like, "I think I heard her harmonize," and the piano teacher was like, "She's harmonizing. Uh, what do we uh, do with her?" Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, how do you, why do you think, like, how did it, I saw that you went to NYU. So at some point you were like, okay, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to study theater in New York. Mm -hmm. I assume you were a theater major. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did like, what was the break? What was the breakthrough from <laughs> yeah. dream to I'm, oh my God, I'm not in the audience watching Charlie Brown. Like I'm, I'm doing this. So how did that, what was the the moment, the breakthrough, the first guess. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, honestly, the first time I got to be on stage was in this theater camp 
think I was eight and we had to like make our own sets and make our own costumes and write our own show. And honestly, the first time I was on stage, I was like, this, this is it. I want to do this. And it was very much tunnel vision. Um, but little steps along the way, I actually grew up. One of my best friends from childhood is Shana Taub, who now is, you know, doing incredible things in the industry in so many ways. We met at, at community theater auditions for Annie, the musical, uh, at Lyric Theater in Burlington, Vermont. And we uh, became very close. And Shana, at some point, was like, you have to go to this theater camp I'm going to. It's called Stage Door Manor. <laughs> uh, she's like, you're going to love it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, did, I did go to Stage Door Manor for a couple summers. And that was mind-blowing because everybody... Everybody did theater. Everyone loved what I loved. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there were this many of us out there. Um, and we we stayed very close throughout the years and we both were like, okay, we're, we're gonna audition for NYU, early decision. Um, and if we get in, we're gonna be roommates. And we did, we both auditioned early decision. We got in, we were freshman and sophomore roommates. So we were kind of on that journey together and yeah, I think um, I just kind of knew I as I was auditioning for colleges, you know, my mom was like, don't you want to go to a campus somewhere and have that experience? I just was like, no, I want to be in New York City. <laughs> I don't want to be on a campus. I don't want to have football everywhere. I just want to be in New York City. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I got here, it was just like I felt like I'm OK. I'm supposed to be here. Was she writing already? Had she begun to sort of not just be a performer, but create work? Yeah, definitely. And we, I mean, we as kids collaborated with our good friend, Nick Caicedo, who's also in New York doing theater right now. And I remember the three of us wrote this show called Getting Tall, which was a review about sort of like the trajectory of our long lives at the age of, you know, 18, 17. And it was like this big musical review with dance numbers and storytelling. And so, yeah, she was a huge part of that. She was always creating, always always so wise and smart and creative and we would just sort of um find each other to collaborate on whatever we could we were so desperate you know to to be creative and right and get to work and yeah. Make stuff. Yeah. Kids, yeah tell me a little bit about um the sketch comedy part of your life yeah well actually that's a good segue because Shana is a part of that as well um her husband Matt Gehring is a is a comedian writer director and uh Shana and Matt created this group called Shiz Broadway meets sketch comedy and um I'm a part of it and my husband is now a part of it and uh it's just a great group of actors writers comedians singers and um gosh it it's it's so much fun. We we take existing like famous scenes from musicals and none of the lyrics are parodied. It's it's the actual songs, but we um, kind of mess with the situation of the musical or sometimes uh -huh. two musicals meeting each other, colliding. <laughs> uh, and it's it's so much fun. Yeah, we had a run at UCB um, before the pandemic and all that happened in Improv Asylum and we would do weekly shows and we had a great following and it's a lot of fun. It's like, yeah, because I, I love comedy. Um, I studied improv for a while. Um, so that was a really fun blend of a lot of different things I loved. Do you feel like that's been really helpful in your traditional theater work? Yeah. You feel yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
you've had a couple of little, of course, first of all, it's summer and everyone's allergies are at full gear. I know that shows are still dealing with COVID and COVID scares. And, and even if people aren't feeling ill, it's still a thing. Um, tell me how, because you look amazing and you're doing eight of the hardest shows a week and it doesn't show on your face right now, but I'm sure your body or your voice can get tired. Can you sort of share some of your rituals for mental and physical health while you're doing a really intense long run of a big Broadway musical extravaganza hit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very uh, like religious about my rituals and my routines. I I love a warm up. I'm I'm I my warm ups are sacred to me. But it's a, I always say you know the show is two and a half hours at the end of the day, but really it's the whole day. The whole day is about that. Sleep is so important you know, at least seven or eight hours of sleep. Um, I'm, I have like eight beverages next to me. I'm always drinking a million fluids, um, conserving your voice throughout the day. If you do have to talk, warming up. Um, but then when I get to, I like to get to the theater like an hour and a half before the show. I always do a physical warm up, a breath warm up. I do a vocal warm up. I like to feel like my blood is flowing. When I start the show, I don't like to just be cold. Um, but then the mental health too, you know, I, I go to therapy regularly. I have a woman who's wonderful who I've worked with um, figuring out how to be present and kind of, you know, just get rid of anxiety. So when I show up on stage, I'm present on stage and breathing. And, and she was actually, this woman I worked with is really helpful with times like this, where there's, you know, press and opening and events of just, you know, she always says, go one moment to moment. All We are only able to deal with one moment at a time. And that's been very helpful too, just staying present in the moment, staying connected. <laughs> right. When you, yeah, I mean, this feels like a unique, like a unique opportunity, right? And with unique opportunities come new stresses, like, like this was the dream and now the dream is happening. And and now what, right? Like it's so, I want to ask you because nerves are so, um, so many people are brilliant in a, or would be brilliant in a part, but they didn't get the part because their nerves took over in the audition process, who would have been brilliant if they could have skipped the audition process, right? And that is the work, like that's the really crazy part of, of being a performing artist who, who is still auditioning. Um, how do you, like when you described what sounded like a pretty intense even audition process for this show, let alone the nerves of previews and knowing reviewers are coming and all of that, because that's a whole other, mm-hmm. and it's all the same anxiety, but it's just, it's about different things. One is, will I get it? One is, will they like me when I get it? Like it's endless what our brains can do to our our bodies. Oh, yeah. So let's just start for a minute for people listening about I don't know. I even call them tricks because we've all developed personal tricks to, you know, I have a friend who, when she would walk into audition, she'd pretend that she was walking onto Jimmy Kimmel's set, right? Like rather than I'm walking into an audition, the desk was like Jimmy Kimmel and she was there because she was here to promote her new thing. And, and that, right. Like we, we can really do whatever we want to our brains to help us. What, 
So if you're not pretending to go on Jimmy Kimmel when you're walking in the room for John Rando, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it sounds like you're a preparer. So one is, I know, be so prepared. So you know you have that no matter what your body's doing. But what do you do find? What little tricks? Oh my gosh. I mean, I I was talking to a friend about this after all of my auditions and they were yeah. like, and it's so true. They were like, auditioning it's like it's like being an olympic athlete but having to do the event like over and over and over again because you go in once like i remember after my first audition i was like i did it and i felt great and then they're like great come back tomorrow do it again come back two months later and deliver again come back in a day come back in another day and it's like every time you have to deliver every time and i remember by the last last round i the doubt started to creep in of like, maybe this is the round that I'm just gonna, you know, crash and burn and then it's all gone. Um, It is, it's such a mental game and it requires so much focus. Um, I don't know if I have tips and tricks. It's just, I, as soon as the, the seed of doubt starts to enter, I just have to immediately say, no, no, we're not, nope, we're not going there. Um, if I start to feel a little panicky before I go in the room, something I have done is I think about like whatever way I'm feeling, why might my character be feeling that way? And let's pretend I'm them feeling this way for a different reason, as opposed to me feeling this way because I'm nervous because I want this job. Um, you know, so with this show, you know, oh gosh, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling anxious okay, well, Lorraine is feeling that way as a 17 year old when this strange, handsome boy has just appeared in her dressing room. She has all kinds of butterflies. So how can I just pretend it's that, what I'm experiencing, not Leanna freaking out? Um, that helps, that helps. It's just, all I can say is like, it's, it's, it's requires so much focus to keep yeah. the, the um, distracting negative thoughts out and just staying present and staying with your breath it's hard. It's definitely hard. Yeah. Does your cast have any particular pre-show or post-show rituals they do as a company or is it a more individual getting ready and cool down? Um, yeah, I think it's a little more individual. I think, cause I'm not in the top of the show. So I think our ensemble, I know our very first preview, we all circled up on stage and that was really nice. And I think a lot of our ensemble might still do that cause they open the show. I know for me, um, I kind of like to take the first 10 minutes that I'm not in the show by myself to kind of get into the mindset of my character. Cause you know, when I start the show, I'm, I'm 47, I'm life is kind of tough. I'm not doing so well. She's, you know, got a bad habit with vodka bottle. So I think it kind of helps me to kind of be on my own to get into that headspace. Um, for this show in particular. But yes, I think a lot of our ensemble maybe has a moment before they all come out for that first big group number. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's true. Like Lorraine, when we meet her, how do you, I mean, this is a comedy and this is a feel good show, but we're meeting a family yeah. where that really is in the middle of like a downward spiral on every level. Which is why the show ends up being so incredibly gratifying. Even if you know where it's going to go, it's also really incredible to watch the journey in that way. Um, When you sort of think back to, you know, like the first time you walked on a Broadway stage, was Mamma Mia your, you did the tour and then, or was, 
I'm losing my mind. Which was first, Newsies or Mamma Mia? Mom, I made my Broadway debut in Mamma Mia when I was 23 at the Winter Garden. So on the same stage. I'm oh my on God, that. so yeah. full circle. So was that you were on tour and then they brought you in? Yeah, I had done Sophie on tour for about a year and a half. And then they brought me to Broadway and I did it. So I made my Broadway debut after doing the tour. Um, and I did it for about a year and a half there on the same stage. I That's know. unbelievable. So when you're in the tour, and again, that must have been just a huge thing even to get Sophie in. I mean, we all know Mamma Mia. Like, it's like Back to the Future for musical lovers, right? Like, uh -huh. we all know that is like the character every young actress wants to play. So you're on tour as Sophie, not were you right. a standby or were you playing Sophie oh, yeah, in Sophie. earnest? Okay. Everyone, I was just like thrust onto a stage from college like right, oh. but like in a great part like the great yeah. part yeah. so when you're on tour did you have to re-audition or did the creative team come see you is that another thing where you're like are you kidding I've done this 500 times and now I'm auditioning for you or no yeah well um thinking back it was interesting I actually don't know exactly how it all went down I do know that the team came to see me but it was it wasn't like the team is coming to see you to decide if they want to bring you to Broadway. But you did like, not know that's what was going know. on. Yeah, I did not know. And then we were um I was in my closing week of the tour in Virginia, I think. And I got a call from my agent that they wanted to fly me to New York to come in for Sophie for the Broadway company. So but they didn't give me a lot of information. So I I did a show at night. I woke up at like six AM, flew to New York. When in that day, I did all the Sophie material for the, the team who I was currently, you know, performing for every night in Virginia. And then I read with a bunch of different skies, um, men that they were seeing to play the role of Sky. So I think, I don't really know, because we don't always get any information, but I think maybe it was just the final sign off on me at that point, And they wanted to see chemistry with some different skies. And who was your sky? Well, so then, uh, gosh, who did it first? Corey Green. Oh, Jordan Dean. That was Jordan Dean. Yeah. So I, I flew back. I closed the tour and I actually didn't find out for like two months. And then I got the call that they were bringing me to Broadway in like a month. Um, and yeah, Jordan Dean was my first guy on Broadway. And he had actually been the reader for auditions. And the director was like, hey, do you want to get up there and, and read? And And he got it. Yeah. I just want to touch on Newsies for a minute before I let you go, um, because that was when I think back to like, yeah. like fandom, right? Like shows that just sort of before social media went haywire, um, there was already a world of like, you know, starting with rent, right? Like it's, it's really, there's a, there's a tradition, right? Yeah. Of how did sort of you're coming into a show as a replacement where everyone has such ownership of an OG cast. Was that, I mean, it's such a funny question and maybe it was irrelevant to your experience, but did you feel like when we talk about nerves and sort of all of the noise that we have to contend with, how did that go for you? Oh, it, it's definitely relevant. I mean, I, when I joined the cast of Newsies, I understudied um, first. I understudied Carol Lindsay, who created the role of Catherine, um, and just saw how brilliant she was in the role, what a wonderful leader she was of the company, and 
And I loved the role of Catherine so much, but it was big shoes to fill. And so then when I found out I was going to take over for her, I felt all the feelings. I was so excited because like I said, I was obsessed with the role of Catherine dying to do it. But I also felt the weight of, yes, she created this. The fans love her. I love her. Everyone loves her. I'm like, how do I fill those shoes? Um, so yeah, it, but I was, I felt really lucky and grateful. The fans really embraced me. They had already gotten to know me as, you know, part of the ensemble and her understudy. So that definitely helped. And she was nothing but warm and lovely and kind of showed me the ropes and, so it was a pretty seamless transition, but definitely felt pressure, felt nervous. You know, will they like me? Will they embrace me? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I went back and found our, uh, I had taken my kids and you were our Catherine when we saw the show. And so right back at you in terms of having an experience of just watching a performance and a performer, but this time for my daughter, like to kind of see like, oh, like make that connection and go, Yeah, that seems like a really wonderful way to spend a life, like creating these characters and stories. Um, I know that you're doing so much press still and you're doing the show eight times a week and I want you to rest. So I'm going to wrap it up, if you don't mind, with asking you to share a little known fact about yourself with my listeners. Okay, let's see. Well, a little known fact about me. Let's see. I... So I'm a, I'm a city gal through and through, but a little known fact about me is that I am from Vermont in a little small town. And, um, I, uh, I have been maple sugaring in my life. I have made maple syrup in my life. It's not just a myth about Vermont. We really do that there. All right. Well, I would like another time. I would like a tutorial. Yeah, um, I'd like to be yeah. standing by a tree with you and see how it's all done. That would be tap into maple sugar. <laughs> oh my god! I feel like that's something we could auction off for like a Broadway Cares equity fight. Oh my goodness! Get to make maple sugar sugar with Leanna Hunt. Um, I feel like I got to make maple sugar today with you. Thank oh. you so much for being just magnificent and for your time today. And congrats on all of it. And um, until next time. Thank you so much. Uh, like I said, I'm such a huge fan and Charlie Brown just, oh, it had such a big impact on me. So it's so cool to be talking with you today. Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm so glad we got to do this. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Say hi to Casey and Roger and John and everybody and hope to see you soon. All right. Bye. fact now you can watch hours and hours of my interviews with your favorite artists as they talk about the art they love to make on youtube that's right i have a youtube channel it's called little known facts with alana levine catchy right subscribe and enjoy little known fact if you want to donate to the podcast just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com forward slash donations thank you so much in advance for your generosity have a great day
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.